Welcome to SaaS Talks from Lead to Close, where I'll be sharing with you everything that I've learned to close leads. I went from quitting my first sales job because I was too scared to talk to strangers to becoming a VP of sales for multiple tech startups where I built a sales team from scratch and led them to an acquisition. I'll teach you how to schedule more demos on your calendars, close at least 50% of your demos, and build a pipeline large enough so you're always hitting quota. If you're looking to scale, then turn the volume up. All right, everyone, we have another special monthly guest for SaaS Talks. Most of you know who he is, Jason Bay, uh, not Michael Bay, the director. He's the founder of Outbound Squad. You've seen him. You've heard him on 30 Minutes Presence Club. You've uh, watched, seen his posts. I follow him. Some of you already are part of my uh, sales cocktail swipe follow, so you see some of the stuff that I share there. But we're going to talk about one thing that I think we're not getting enough of on this ep- this podcast, and that's prospecting, specifically how to do it and and why it's a problem for so many folks, whether you're SDR or AE. Most of the listeners here are AEs. So, um, yeah, Jason, thanks for uh, joining. Yeah, I'm excited to be here, man. Yeah. So you're, prior to the recording, you were mentioning something about 2023, how you were saying that AEs are going to have to do more self-sourcing of leads. So can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, so there, okay, there's a lot of different ways that we can kind of work our way into this topic, but just a couple stats that are kind of interesting to think about. So we're in a recession technically, and it'll probably get worse. I'm not an economist, nor am I very good at predicting this kind of stuff. But um, the average tenure for an account executive is about, I think, 2.3 years, according to Bridge Group. The average tenure for an SDR is about 1.8 years. So you got to put two and two together. The average account executive has not sold through a recession before. So in other words, they kind of don't know what it's like when things like are not going really well and everyone wants to talk to you, right? So a lot of the data would support SalesLoft has got to really, you know, kind of depending on your deal size that a typical rep should self-source 25 to up to 65% of their pipeline based on if they're an average versus top performer versus their deal size. And what I predict that we're going to see a lot of, and I'm already starting to see it because companies are hiring fewer SDRs. I've seen a lot of companies that are only hiring account executives. Full sales cycle. Yep. Full sales cycle reps. I'm also seeing, uh, I'm predicting a trend that the SDR to account executive ratio, and this is based on what I see in companies right now, uh, Bridge Group has talked about that being pretty steady at like one SDR supporting two account executives for the last three years, and it hasn't moved. I see more like one to four and one to five in the companies that I work with. And I work with some of the larger software companies out there. So what does all of that mean? It means that as an account executive, if you want to hit or surpass your quota, like you need to get really good at self-sourcing. And you have very little time to do it, assuming that you're also running deals and you know, yeah. work in the rest of the pipeline. So it's it's becoming an activity that if you can squeeze in a 60 to 90 minutes a day, Monday through Friday doing, you can self-source enough pipe, but you have to be extremely skilled at outbound to spend that little time and self-source your pipeline. So it's becoming this game where as an account executive, you have to be an elite prospector. You have to be very, very good at outbound to make it work for you from a time management standpoint. 60 to 90 minutes, That's you're saying that's minimum. And if you're very good at it and ex- 
you've done it before and you know what you're yeah. doing. Yeah, the reality is if you were to ask most account executives right now to show you their calendar, the reality is they could probably spend three to four plus hours a day because they have so few opportunities that they're working. I think uh, another thing to think about, especially when times get tough, we saw a little bit of this during COVID is you have to disqualify deals earlier. Mm -hmm. And it's really easy to get in this trap, especially as an enterprise rep, to work a deal that is just not a very good deal for many reasons. Most of those reasons being which is another topic altogether is multi-threading. Most of those reasons is that you just don't have access to the right person and you don't know how to. Multi-threading is a prospecting exercise. I've been talking about that a lot too. Like getting really good at, I started the conversation with someone at a manager level who has like basically no influence in the org and doesn't want to help. What do I do next? And most people would just close lost that deal or just continue working in and following up with that manager and trying to ask them to help and try to get them to do intros and invite people onto the next call and that sort of thing. So I think those are two yeah. really big skills. So let's, I want to, I want to go there. Cause I think that's where, um, that's where I'm seeing it too. Not only from enterprise AEs, like, like I, I hand, like my folks from my businesses, SMB mid market and lower end enterprise AEs, but I've seen it from, from all aspects, but let's say an AE gets a lead from from doing some sort of prospecting. Now they're talking to the to the. I mean, when she, the example that you were giving, I assume that discovery already took place. There was some demo that took place with that single person that doesn't have any influence in the org. Is that the the, the example there? Yeah, we've run a first call with this person. Okay, okay. So let's can we talk tactically. Like, all right. So, what would you recommend somebody listening right now to like? All right, I have that situation. How do I multi-thread without just following up with this particular person? and badgering in them yeah. or marking this as, as lost. Yeah, there's a there's a lot of context that's needed to determine like exactly what the move is, but there's some really sound principles that you can abide by. One is multi-threading is a thing that you need to coach and tell the prospect that is necessary in order to like buy the solution and to have a successful implementation. This is not an ask for permission type of thing. This is a coach them on why it's in their best interest to do it. Uh, the other thing is that you need to create visibility. So you're never going to go around or above someone without first telling them that that's what they're going to do and like getting them bought into that and then keeping them in the loop with that communication. Um, so we need to do those things. And then the third thing, I don't know if we'll have time to get into is like leveraging gift gets. Um, so in that first call, the most important thing that you can do before the call is you need to reverse engineer how deals are won at your company and just know who you need to get involved to begin with. Yeah. That requires a little bit of prep work. But statistically, um, I'm going to have a much higher likelihood of being able to figure out who the right people are if I can come in and suggest who I think it might be and validate that hypothesis, right? So tactically, you can bring this up multiple points in the call. I'm a really big fan, Armand Farouk, shared this with me. I was like, oh, that makes a lot of sense. Like talking about multi-threading in the first five to 10 minutes of your first call. So when you're doing your upfront contract, I call them alignment statements. Mm -hmm. And it's saying stuff like, um, you know, hey, do you have any hard stops? No. Well, hey, typically what happens today, one of two things going to happen. You're really going to like this conversation. You're going to want to continue talking. Usually what that means is we're going to get enablement involved because they really want to know what the content is going to be that they're reinforcing. And since we're talking about the SDR group and you're setting meetings for the account executives, we're gonna want the sales leaders involved too, because they're gonna have input on the meetings that your organization is setting for them.
We'll talk about that later. I know we're getting several steps ahead of ourselves. Or what might happen is that you don't like what you hear and we part ways as friends. So I'm setting the stage there that we are going to do that. And then I'm going to save, you know, five to 10 minutes, depending on who I'm talking to. Like this is where some caveats are needed. So for example, if I'm talking to someone I know that doesn't have influence, like I get a lot, nothing against sales managers and sales enablement managers. I get a lot of inbound from them. I want to talk to them. It's a good entryway into a company, especially a large organization, but they're not talking to the VP of sales and the CRO every day. You know what I mean? So I might spend half of a 30 minute call just like validating who I think the next people are and just getting them excited about like helping me or at least letting me know who I should be reaching out to and multi-threading to. Do you ever get versus, a, oh, yeah, go ahead, go ahead, I'll oh, cut you off. Versus if I do get someone on that's like a director of sales or someone that I can tell has a lot of influence in the org, I might spend less time like kind of mapping out stuff with them and just making sure that, that they're bought in. That's just like, that's some nuance that that's just, that's kind of hard to learn without just doing it a bunch of times. For sure. Um, you were going to ask something. Yeah. I had a follow-up question. Do you ever find out like when, when you talk to like, let's say you have the example, you give you get an inbound lead sales enablement sales manager, and they're clearly, you know, they're like, no, it's okay, Jason. Like, uh, you know, I got this. Like, Maybe it's an ego thing. Maybe it's an inexperienced thing from their end where they don't think that that they're not on board with that plan. How do you handle that? Well, you want to prevent that from happening, which I want to talk about first Then we can talk about how to handle if, if the person is really stubborn. So like the mistake that most people make is they say, who would feel left out if they weren't a part of our next conversation? And like the person's like from an ego standpoint going to respond like, no, this is like I run enablement. This is this is my thing with these SDRs, you know, um, you asking who needs to be involved. That's not a that's not a move that a trusted advisor does. That's that's what an order taker does. Yep. A trusted advisor coaches the person around how to buy their solution and how to implement it successfully. So the first thing that you need to do, um, I'm a just a big fan of permission based asked. I'm not asking for permission to multi-thread. I'm just asking for permission to explain. I'll just say. Uh, hey, more. Um, we've actually gone through this process with several similar companies like Medallia and Gong. And just like you, one of the managers, Jennifer from Medallia, came in. And would you like me to share how we were able to kind of get others, you know, looped in and successfully implement the training and have really good results? Everyone says yes when I ask that. Cool. So what Jennifer did, she was working directly with the SVP on the PG initiative, the outbound initiative that was going on internally. And what we wanted to make sure to do was involve senior sales leadership because they're going to want to know what the ROI is and they're going to really have a big impact on the timeline. We definitely want to involve people like you in enablement because like, you know, that if we train something and it doesn't get reinforced, like it's not worth doing at all to begin with. Right. And that's something that you, you and your leadership are heavily involved in, I'm assuming. And then since SDRs and AEs are going to be in the same group, we're definitely going to want SDR leaders and sales leaders uh, involved as well. Can I make a suggestion on like what a good next step would be based on how our conversation went today? And I hardly get any resistance when I do it this way. When I do it the other way and just ask them who else needs to be involved, they always say that they're the person in charge, all that other kind of stuff, right? So once I make suggestions on what I should do by sharing a customer story, I'll even go through the lengths of, and oh, by the way, it looks like your VP of sales is Brian Evans. Cool. And on the enablement side, like I just validate the people and let them correct me, whatever. 
And then I just make a suggestion on what the next step should be. And it's very assumptive from there. Yeah. And I let them know that, okay, cool. I'm going to email so-and-so, you know, just letting them know how the conversation went just kind of keeping them in the loop. In the meantime, let's set this next conversation. Now, if someone's like super resistant and does not want you to do that, if you're like, hey, that I totally understand where you're coming from more. Uh, let me know if this is the case and if it is totally okay. Um, I noticed that uh, you're just getting started in the role. It looks like you're about six months in. And, and I was talking to a, a sales manager the other day, Michael, uh, at a company called Brooksource. And he didn't want me to share his name because he felt like he still needed to kind of like spend a little bit more time in the role before recommending a trainer to come in and like kind of upend in things. Is that sort of how you're feeling with this? Where if I communicate with some of these people, you would prefer that I don't mention your name? Cool. Oftentimes people are uncomfortable because they don't want you to mention their name. And you know what? That person doesn't have very much influence. They just don't. Yeah. Like a, a manager, a sales manager in an org that does not want you to share anything with anyone else, the likelihood that they have a lot of influence is very low. I mean, this so, goes back to what you were saying. The, the way that, I mean, that whole like self role play that you're just doing right now, which is phenomenal, the, the way to do this properly and nail it is you need to, like you said, reverse engineer. You have to know what the who were involved and how how they were involved from deals that were won and then bring that to light in advance versus just playing this guessing game. Yeah. And then you'll know, by the way, I learned a lot of this stuff from a guy, uh, Dan Strauss, who I'll give a, a shout out. He was a, a top strat and enterprise seller at Zoom Info and Chorus. And uh, we've like developed a lot of these plays and stuff together. Um, so I think the big thing is, yes, you want to know in advance who typically needs to be involved so that you can make the ask and you sound like you know what the hell you're doing when you do that, right? It, it, the, the attitude is, I've seen this hundreds of times, mm. and my goal is not to sell stuff to people. It's to make sure that they have a great implementation and that they get the results that, that they want to get. That's my job as a sales rep, right? Um, so in the call, knowing who I need to get involved, and then you need you know some plays that you can run. Right. So a really simple play is after a first call with someone that's, you know, kind of below the line is threading in a potential champion or economic buyer into the conversation via email and just saying, hey, more just letting you know, had a great chat with a couple of the SDR managers. It sounds like a big focus is A and B. I'm not sure yet how that aligns with your priorities, but I'm talking to these folks again next week. I'll keep you updated. No ask here. I'm just like opening up a conversation yeah. and I'm telling the person on the call that I'm going to do that though. That's the key. I, again, I think visibility is that, is that big thing that I want to do. Um, the give to gets, this is another kind of interesting piece. I think we're too quick to just give demos to people and too quick to like on the enterprise side, I see people, I had a rep at a company, she gave a demo to like 20 people and she didn't have access to power yet. I'm like, why did you do that? That's like, you brought in like two or three people from your team. They brought in 20 people and you don't even have access to power. This is, it's, 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 it's barely an opportunity. When you, you know say she I mean? didn't have access to power, she didn't know who, who was on the going to be in the call or. No, she knows who the economic buyer, and, and I think it's important to distinguish. Andy Wright uh, wrote a really great book on Medic, mm -hmm. and he kind of pioneered a lot of this stuff uh, along with a few other individuals. The difference between a coach and a champion, 
this is pretty mind blowing for me when I learned this. Uh, a coach is someone that can help you, but they don't have influence. So a coach, an example, a sales manager that does not really interact with their VP of sales much, who is a, more likely a champion, is useful, but you can't rely on that person to help you get stuff done. Mm -hmm. Right? So I think going in, it's like, I know that for me, the most part, like a champion's going to be a VP of sales. And the types of deals I sell are typically above the threshold that a VP of sales can just give the green light by themselves. It's typically a decision they're making with an SVP or a chief revenue officer who are the economic buyers. So you kind of need to know who the players are going to be. So the gift to gets though, it's like the gift to get is, hey, before we schedule this demo and I bring in resources from my team and you bring in resources, I just need to know like what needs to happen in this demo in order for us to loop in XYZ individual. P.S. If you're still listening to this and you want to get better at discovery, demos, closing, and everything in between like multi-threading, negotiation, closing, then check out FDTC University, my on-demand sales training. The best part? Students join in a few times every month for live sales coaching with me. So you're not alone. You're not just going through a course. You actually have a coach that helps you along the way. So if you feel like you're leaving money on the table and you want to level up your sales game, then check out the link to join FTTC University in the description below or visit demotoclose.com. And if this goes well, um, can we agree that we can get a meeting on that person's calendar? Can you help make that happen? I don't think we do that enough. We're, we're just like so quick to just give out stuff, our time and our company's internal resources to prospects with like no ask. I mean, do you think time. it's just because of a, a, a lack of pipeline where anything they get, any nibble of interest, they're like, oh, I'm going to jump on it. I'm not, I'm not going to try to kill this in their minds. I'm not going to try to kill this deal by saying, no, no, no demo for now until I get more information versus another competitor that say, yeah, I'll do a demo. Yeah, well, I... Obviously, if we have a fatter pipeline, it makes doing all of this stuff a lot easier. Yeah. But uh, I think that one of the things to be careful of when times are a little tougher is buyers and sellers both become more risk averse. Mm -hmm. And sellers, we become risk averse and pushing back. It's like, no. <laughs> like, I'm not going to let you take up a bunch of my time and our team's resources from other people when you haven't even like done any work on your part. That's unfair. Like I have to have a boundary there. And the tonality that I'm using, you're obviously, you're not gonna talk like that to the prospect. Right. Gonna, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, um, <laughs> hey, I'm happy to bring in these resources, but as you can imagine, so-and-so and so-and-so, -and -so, like they're super busy. And if I if I bring them in, um, what I would love from you is a commitment that if, this, if that call goes well, can we start looping in some other people? Cause I really wanna help you out. Can we make that happen? Cool. You know, or, or, or bringing those people to the call, yeah. one or the other. I think it's just like making those asks and it's okay to get no's from people. I would rather know early on in a sales cycle that this person's unwilling to help me than to go two or three calls deep with them and figure out they have no influence and they don't want to help. You know what I mean? I'd rather yeah. not do that. But this is interesting. It's funny when this episode started, when the recording started, I had like Four different questions on like prospecting. Then we like riffed on multi multi threading. I was like, holy shit, this is really really good. I'm like, I don't see this enough. Like we don't talk about this enough. And then I mean that and that's a 
you know, that's that's good. I think so. I for the for the sake of uh, a, a time, um, we probably won't have time to do the other questions that I have um, on on the prospecting side. So what I'm thinking we do is um, if there's anything else like you want to like drip in um, in terms of like tactical, um, we can do that. And then we can maybe put a plug in. You can tell people where to find you and, and all that good stuff. And then I'm probably going to poach you to do a part two of this because I think this is interesting. Yeah. So you want me to give a quick tip and then to give a call to action of where to... Uh, yeah, yeah, plug yourself okay. in. Um, another quick tip with multi-threading and... Because multi-threading is the act of prospecting. Like prospecting doesn't stop after the first meeting is the principle. Right. right? Um, cost of inaction. Challenger talks about this a lot. I don't know if they came up with that phrasing, but your multi-threading efforts and your prospecting efforts will be so much more effective if you can actually share good stuff. You know what I mean? Where it's like, hey, more, I was reaching out. I've had conversations with so-and-so and what we identified is that you guys might be wasting up to $1.3 million in your contact center every single quarter by not having a system that helps you deflect customer requests that could easily have been answered through chat instead of picking up the phone. Like that's how specific it needs to be. If you want to engage- Even on the first cold touch. Yes, absolutely. Um, oh, sorry. It, it, on the first cold touch, you're not going to have that information yet. If you've done a decent amount of discovery and quantified some stuff, you got to put that into the emails to these executives because that, that's what they care about most. So that's my tip. You got to have something quantified that could um, connect to an initiative that they have. Gartner ran a study of a bunch of executive stakeholders and 93% of them attached the purchase to a larger org-wide initiative. So if you're not talking about org-wide initiatives with executives, they don't want to talk to you. So you've got to connect that stuff. That's intel that you can get from other people in the org. Um, that's my tip. Uh, in terms of where to get more of the stuff that we talked about today, there's uh, outboundsquad.com. We have a ton of free content. I post every day on LinkedIn, every weekday. Uh, we got a podcast. Uh, outbound squad make sure to check out we'll have to get you on there dude and then um uh we offer coaching to reps and training uh to and consulting to to companies so if you're a rep or a sales leader and you're wanting help implementing some of the stuff that we talked about today uh for yourself or for your team outboundsquad.com is a good place to check out too that's awesome i appreciate you appreciate you joining this uh this episode yeah you bet man Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you found this relevant or practical at all, then please share this episode. Until next time, I'm your host, Mor Asulin.